passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Nola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusito. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on March 11th. I am Frank Stample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers on the happiest of Kokomo Fridays. Baseball is back and we have all the breakouts. But before we get into it, I just want to welcome everybody back. Hey there, where you been? That's right. The season is on. It's time to jam in as much fantasy baseball prep as you possibly can. Please feel free to go back and listen or watch all of our on-demand content, which features position previews, live mock drafts, sleepers, the whole shebang. Much more. Go check it out. Okay, now I'm ready. True story. I had Chris and Scott send me their five favorite breakouts before the podcast. They had two of the same players on their respective lists. Who were they? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's start with Chris. Who is your favorite breakout? This season. Yeah, I, I knew that <laughs> yeah. those two guys would be on our lists. And uh, since I get to go first, I'll pick one of them. And it's Patrick Sandoval, a nice Patty Sando. He made a leap last season. You could argue he made a breakout leap last season when he posted a 3.62 ERA in 87 innings. But I think he's going to do that and more in what I hope will be a larger role. He missed some time with injuries last season. However, it was a back injury. It wasn't you know, an arm injury, so I think that's a little less concerning for a pitcher. And he was really good. 26% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. I think there's room for both of those to improve, but he also had a 341 expected Woba against, on contact against compared to a 369 league average. So he was really good at suppressing hard contact. Pretty much all of his pitches that was true of... Um, and the changeup is just a freakishly good pitch. Last season, he threw it 30% of the time, 51.4% whiff rate. That is nearly uncharted territory. He had a 221 expected Woba against an 82.8 average exit velocity against his changeup. His four-seam fastball, 84.9 mile per hour average exit velocity. So that was really good as well. It's not a swing and miss pitch, but he does have a slider that looked really good last season, even a curveball that did a pretty good job of limiting hard contact last season as well. So it's a full arsenal for Patrick Sandoval. And I think there's a chance he goes out, pitches 180 innings of a low 3 ZRA. 
and ends up as a top 15 starting pitcher. I think that's well within the realm of possibility for Patrick Sandoval. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited about him. You've heard us talk a lot about Patrick Sandoval so far this preseason. If you've been listening, if you're just tuning in for the first time now that the lockout's over, get ready for us to talk a lot about Patrick Sandoval over the next four weeks. We all like him a lot. He's, I think, collectively one of our favorite breakout candidates. And uh, yeah, he's he's going to be a good one. I believe he was featured in each of our breakout columns, and rightfully so. You mentioned the changeup, Chris. Filthy. Just an absolutely filthy pitch, which produced a 28.7% swinging strike rate. Just to put that in perspective, Jacob deGrom, who is otherworldly, a, a freak in his own right, his swinging strike rate on all of his pitches, just combined, is usually, it's like 20, 21% last year, which is much higher than the rest of the league. Again, this changeup, almost 29% on that changeup. Uh, he was awesome. He made 14 starts once he joined the rotation on May 17th. Uh, Patrick Sandoval did a 3.39 ERA, 118 whip, 86 strikeouts, over 79 and two-thirds innings pitched during that span. Scott, the only questions that I really have when it comes to Patrick Sandoval is health. Can he do it over the course of a full season since he's coming back from that uh, stress fracture in his back from last year? I don't think that's the only question you should have there. Uh, is he going to walk too many guys? I think is a reasonable question to have too. even last year, 3.7 per nine. Um, but I'm not here to talk down Patrick Sandoval because I have him as a breakout candidate as well. And I agree with Chris that that's what the upside could be for him. His numbers look especially good when you, when you remove all the relief appearances where he was pretty shaky for the most part. And, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned we talk about him a lot on this podcast. I recently did one of my surveys that I do on social media sometime, on Twitter, on Facebook. You know, presumably the people responding to these surveys are them being followers of mine and ours. Uh, they listen to the podcast. And so, sure enough, I, I presented eight questions, and Patrick Sandoval was one of the highest finishers on all. On, uh, on many of them, on the most appropriate ones. Who's the one player you have to have this year? Uh, which SP seems like the best bet to break out? Who's your favorite late-round target? Sandoval was among the highest finishers to all three of those questions. Can I add just a, a little bit more color to how good his changeup is? Sure. So there were 55 pitchers last season who ended a minimum of 100 plate appearances against them with their changeup. Patrick Sandoval led them all with 51.4% whiff rate. That's whiffs per swing. Devin Williams was second at 47.2%, a reliever with a freakishly good changeup that he throws 64% of the time. Might be the single best pitch in baseball. Number three was Ranger Suarez. Very good pitch. He had a 39.8% whiff rate. You're talking about a 12 percentage point difference between number one and number three in terms of that, and he had the fourth lowest expected WOBA against with his changeup. The pitch is, it's, it's stupid. And that's, and that's to finish off batters. So he's, so it's a great changeup and he knows how to use it. Yeah. Yep. Let's do a quick uh, this or that when it comes to Patrick Sandoval. His ADP is 206.4. Chris, would you rather have Sandoval or Anthony DeScofani? If you're going, if you're starting it with pitchers in his ADP range, it's going to be Sandoval for a while. All right. Well, let's see how high we can get. Sandoval versus Dave Scalfani. 
Uh, Sandoval. Sandoval versus Jose Urquidy. Sandoval. Sandoval versus John Means. Sandoval. Versus Noah Syndergaard. Sandoval. Versus Tarek Skubal. Sandoval. Easily. Versus Hyunjin Ryu. Sandoval. Versus Trevor Bauer. Sandoval. Versus Marcus Stroman. Sandoval. Versus Michael Kopech. Sandoval. (laughs) Versus Mike Clevenger. Sandoval. Adam Wainwright. Sandoval. Logan Gilbert. Sandoval. Sonny Gray. Sandoval. Eduardo Rodriguez. I do have Erod ranked higher. All right, so that would get Patrick Sandoval inside the top 50 starting pitchers, which I believe is actually where you have him ranked, Chris. So uh, he's I, yeah, he's 42 for me. I just moved him up uh, even more than I had him. I had him 48. Wasn't high enough because I looked at it and it's like. I'd rather have Patrick Sandoval than Tyler Malley. Mm. Yeah. All right. So make sure you get yourself some Patrick Sandoval this upcoming season. Scott, your favorite breakout this year is blank. Wild Willie Adamas. That's my favorite breakout. And it's one of those breakouts where you're not totally sure if you should call him a breakout because it kind of already happened. But when it's not being reflected by the ADP, I feel like it's justifiable. Willie Adamas goes about 140th overall among shortstops. He is... Oh, it's hard to tell on Fantasy Pros because they got a lot of non-shortstops mixed up in here. But he's 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 like right around 15th. Mm-hmm. 15th or beyond at the position, not being drafted as a starter. Even which deep position, I understand. But on uh, 12-team leagues, uh, considered very fringy in 12-team leagues just in terms of should he start or should he not start. And he should start because this was his numbers after joining the Brewers last season. He had 285 with 20 home runs and an 886 OPS. That's in roughly three quarters of the season because that's when the trade happened. 285, 20 homers, 886 OPS. His road numbers during his time with the Rays which covers the rest of his major league career, 291 with an 858 OPS, virtually identical to those numbers he put up after joining the Brewers. So clearly what was holding him back during his time with the Rays was Tropicana Field, which is a terrible place to hit. He's Adamas himself has spoken to it, uh, complaining about the batter's eye in particular, but it's dimly lit. The roof is like white, so it's easy to lose the ball in it. Uh, it's just it's just a terrible place to hit, and it seems to impact certain hitters, especially so. And um, it seems like Adamus falls into that category. I think it's totally possible that Adamus could end up with better numbers than Carlos Correa this year. And I like Correa. I think Adamus could be better. I think it's not outside the realm of possibility, at least if you're talking about the five by five stats. You're leaving plate discipline out of it. I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Adamas could have better numbers than Xander Bogarts, who goes 100 picks earlier. So, I, I mean, I, I find myself often waiting at shortstop because I know Adamas is going to be there. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talent at the position. It's hard to pass up Corey Seager at his going rate. It's hard to pass up Carlos Correa at his going rate. But Adamas makes it really easy to do because I'm just very confident in in what he showed us with the Brewers last year. Yeah, and what he did with the Brewers last year was amazing, as you referenced, Scotty. From that point forward, 
He joined the Brewers on May 22nd. Here were his ranks among shortstops from that point forward. Batting average, he hit 285. That ranked 7th. Home runs, 20. That was tied for 3rd. OPS, 886. That was 4th best. So, in the three really major categories we're looking at for offensive production in fantasy baseball, Willie Adamas was a top 7 shortstop in each of those since he uh, after joining the Brewers on May 22nd. So, uh, it's hard to argue with the production that we saw last year. And, obviously, it's a... I would say pretty solid lineup. It's a good ballpark to hit in as well. Uh, Chris, I feel like you were the one who called Willie Adamas like the cheat code at the position. If you just you know wait and you miss out on everyone else, he's just kind of like that fallback option. But the problem is, if you wait too long and then you miss out on Willie Adamas, it's like, what do you do after that? So ah, like, my tout wars team, <laughs> case in point. Yeah, so that's that's the problem. If like that is your plan and then you miss out, it's like, what do I do now? Yeah, that's... That's kind of always the problem when you set one guy as the strategy for your for your team or or for any position really. Just it it doesn't quite make a lot of sense to say. Like, I, I have an answer to this though. Go go ahead and finish your thought. I do have an answer though. Yeah, it just like to to go and say like I have to have Willie Adamas and not have a backup option. Like you should be willing to take Willie Adamas. He's the 18th shortstop eligible player in NFC leagues. He's actually dropping in ADP there. He's fallen behind Dansby Swanson and Jake Cronenworth, which I don't know. Um, but yeah, like if you don't get him, it's Chris Taylor, Luis Arias, Brendan Rogers. That, that's basically wanna, my answer. Is that if you want to squint of- and talk yourself into Ahmed Rosario or Eugenio you know, Suarez is another option, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's risky. So, you know, I, I pointed I pointed to my tout worst team is what happens if you miss out on Adamas too. That's worth noting. That's a 15-team league with a middle infield spot. It's a deeper yeah. league than most of the people listening play in. The fallback for Willie Adamas is Dansby Swanson, or it's taking a shot on Brendan Rodgers breaking out, or it's Chris Taylor, who could be a 25-15 guy theoretically this year. It's not a disaster if you miss out on Adamas. Adamas is your last shot. I mean, look, I, th- I think I think I think Brendan Rodgers could put up stud numbers this year. I think O'Neill Cruz could put up stud numbers this year. But the last player you should expect to put up stud numbers at the position is Willie Adamas. But that doesn't mean you can't get competent shortstops after him. It is. I, I will point out there is for his career he has ex- outperformed his expected woba 332 to 313 so this may not matter all that much but um his expected woba was pretty middling 325 overall last season and his actual woba was 349 if you just isolate the time he spent with the brewers his expected woba was 333 so a little better but still pretty average ish for a you know, starting hitter. I guess the league average is 316, but for among starters, 332 is probably pretty average. But if, you know, if you believe there's something about his approach that makes him likely to outperform his expected stats by, you know, a, a significant margin every year, then it's not so much of a concern. That's that's the one caveat I would put on on it is the underlying numbers aren't quite as impressive, although it's sort of hard to figure out why. <laughs> You know, like his expected batting average is 23rd percentile, but he hits the ball hard. He hits line drives. Like it's, it is sort of weird that barrel rate's 11.4%. That's really good. That's good. So it's like, 
I don't quite understand what it is. He's the plate discipline pull. isn't great. Yeah, his plate discipline isn't great, but he's a pretty pull heavy hitter. So I like. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I'm not 100 percent sure what to make of it, but you know, we do have four seasons of him. You know, seventeen hundred plate appearances of him outperforming his expected stats by a, a solid margin. So he might just own that skill too. Chris, I guess you didn't get the memo beforehand, but no Willie Adamas slander allowed on this podcast. So. <laughs> I, nothing I said was false. No, no. He, he was. He was. Um, you know, he, slander he was, spoken. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. No, I actually, I appreciate, uh, you know, we got to play devil's advocate for some players, present all sides of the argument. Uh, but overall, another player I think we're all in on here on Willie Adamas. For me, my favorite breakout this season, the low-hanging fruit. Honestly, I thought we would all kind of be in on this player this upcoming season, but it's not the case. Shane McClanahan, also known as Shane O'Mac. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Shane McClanahan, as a rookie last year, 3-4-3 ERA, a 1-2-7 whip, 141 strikeouts, over 123 and a third innings pitched a left-handed pitcher who averages 96.4 miles per hour on his fastball, has a deep repertoire, throws four different pitches at least 8% of the time, and he had a swinging strike rate overall of 14.8% last season, which was tied for eighth among starting pitchers with at least 120 innings pitched uh, last year. There's some concern over, okay, he pitches for Tampa Bay, they could limit him, Uh, you know, he's a young pitcher on that team, which... More often than not, I would agree with that. But if you look at their rotation, they really need length out of him. They don't have a lot of, I guess, just talent or reliability in that rotation. So I think that they are relying on Shane McClanahan to lead them. I think he's going to be their opening day starter, assuming that you know everything works out well in spring training. I just, I just, I, I love, uh, I love the talent. I love what we saw last year. The strikeouts. Yeah. You're talking about the Rays, Frank. This is the team that pioneered the opener. They don't they don't subscribe to your rules about what they do and don't need. But I think we would have said something similar about Tyler Glass now a couple of years ago too. And eventually they just kind of let him go. Maybe that's not the maybe this isn't that year for McClanahan, but you know, he got, you know, to close to 130 innings um in, in terms of I think he got over 130 with like minors and majors and postseason combined so I think it's like you know pretty you could pretty easily see him getting getting to 150 160 innings this upcoming season he's got to work on some stuff obviously a lot a lot of hard contact you know the fastball was very hittable but it just seems like it seems like one of those things that there's just too much talent here and the Rays are going to figure it out whether it's you know a couple of tweaks to the pitch mix or sequencing whatever it might be everything Mm -hmm. is there for Shane McClanahan including a very high ADP. So I will point that out as ADP is yep. 103.8. It's almost being baked That's in. That's the concern for it, me. Yeah, is the fact that, you know, you're paying for a breakout. But, you know, if he turns out to be a top 15, top 20 starting pitcher, then it'll be worth it. Um, yeah. No, he's an obvious breakout candidate. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not. I mean, there's a lot to like there about Shane McClanahan. It's just when you, when you factor in the, the fact he gets hit really hard when he does get hit. That makes it so he doesn't really stand out from the other pitchers, the, 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 that other young group of bat-missing pitchers who were counting on taking a step forward. So many people are counting on taking a step forward. Alec Manoa, Dylan Cease. Uh, who else is in that group? Trevor Rogers. Yeah, sure. Like They, they all have their warts, McClanahan included. And 
So there's that where, okay, I don't really think he stands out among that group. And, and as you mentioned, his ADP is about as high as I'm willing to justify even acknowledge, even knowing the breakout potential. And, and I'm not saying your breakout pick has to be based on ADP, but when you have enough breakout picks who you think are going, like, are going at a discount, like, I, I don't really, I'm not really cl- going to claim ownership of a breakout candidate who I'm not drafting that often, you know, because their ADP doesn't allow me to. Yeah, so that's the, that's where I met with McClanahan. No, I get it. I mean, the thing is, I'm willing to draft him at his cost. Yeah, yeah I mean, more often sure. than not, you know, in a 12-team league, I can wind up with him as my SP4. I've done a few 15-team leagues where I can get him as my SP3, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Chris, I know uh, you're a little bit more skeptical when it comes to Shane McClanahan. Yeah, I think he's probably closer to the other two exciting young pitchers in the Rays rotation, or assumed in the Rays rotation, Shane Baz and... Luis Patino, though, he is the highest ranked of them for me. And just to put a little context on what we're talking about when we say Shane McClanahan gets hit hard, he had a 460 ex- expected ERA based on how, you know, how many strikeouts, how many walks, but also the kind of quality of contact he gave up. His 45.7% hard hit rate was the third highest among qualifying starters. His 7% barrel rate was the 12th highest uh, among qualifying starters, nestled between Mike fulton and uh, Taiwan Walker. His expected WOBA was 424. Expected WOBA on contact was 424. That's in the bottom 10% of the league. So he wasn't just like bad in terms of quality of contact. He was among the worst in baseball. Now, if you want a silver lining on that dark cloud, it would be that it takes a long time for quality of contact stats to stabilize for pitchers. And you're, it's not like a full season. It's not like the difference between 200 innings and 120 innings. You're probably talking about three full seasons to really know how much of a player's, a pitcher's quality of contact stats are their skill versus random variance. Batters own a lot more of that skill. And so if you were going to bet on that type of player to outperform those expected stats, I think he would be one of them because that's where he falls short is a place that he may not actually be as bad as he appears. And also it's just worth noting Robbie Ray is also quite bad in terms of the quality of contact he gives out uh, uh, up. And so is uh, pretty famously. And if you miss enough bats quality of contact, isn't that important? Yeah, I think so, Shane Bieber is kind of like what Shane McClanahan should be trying to be. And and honestly, like it sounds crazy to say, but his stuff might even be better than Shane Bieber's. Yeah, I think in how stuff is true. Like I think Robbie Ray is a a pretty good comp in terms of quality of stuff. Um, it's just the gap between where Shane McClanahan was last season and where Robbie Ray is was. 27% strikeout rate versus 32. When Robbie Ray has been around a 27% strikeout rate, that's what he was in 2020. And he was one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. Now his walk rate was also yeah. 18%. So I was it was say, a disaster yeah. all the way around. He wasn't very good at anything. But things can go wrong very easily for a pitcher if they give up that kind of quality of contact. So that's the concern for me. And that's why I, I do think Trevor Rogers is better. Because I think he has similar strikeout potential, but I think he's better 
at the quality of contact stuff. I think, um, gosh, who are some other players in that kind of mold? It's like Alec Manoa, Dylan Cease. These are like the young, yeah. hype-starting pitchers that are expected I, to take that next step. I think a healthy Carlos Rodon is better. I think Frankie Montas is probably better. Yep. But I, I have Shane McClanahan in the top 36, so it's it's not like I hate him. It's just I'm unlikely to draft him at the price he's going. I get it. Like If there's one drawback to McClanahan, it is the price. But every year there are breakouts drafted in this range you know around pick 100 you know maybe 100 to 120 yeah. some of them hit some yeah. of them don't i mean it happens every year yeah again i, I Shane, just don't i don't want to guess at it you know? no I, I i get it but it's just like if he does figure out the the con the hard contact i think we could be talking about shane mcclanahan as like a top oh, yeah. 15 starting pitcher drafted sure. next year right like third or fourth round pick something like that so the, the upside is definitely there nobody's and, nobody's disputing that for sure. I also have a bit of a mental block on just like, why did nobody think he was a starter before this year? There was like nothing in his minor league numbers to suggest that he couldn't be a starter, but like every scouting report was like, yeah, he's good, but he's going to be a reliever. And it's like, I have the tr- the trouble with that because it wasn't just like scouts thinking that. A lot, of, a lot of what you would read is like, the Rays aren't sure if he's a starter. That, I, I guess I have trouble getting past like, Whatever it was, because once he got called yeah. up, it was like, oh, this yeah, guy's got like four great pitches. He looked like Why? a starter. He looked I, like I, a starter last year. I'll say, I'll say that. I, I don't know when it, he developed those extra because usually it's because yeah. their arsenal isn't full enough and or they're short. And and McClanahan is only six foot one, so that that probably factored only. factored into the thinking too. Yeah, we're not all. Yeah, I mean, you know, considered short for a starter. Yeah, no, I know. We're not all giants know. like Scott. Scott, I was reading a scouting report of Max Meyer today for the Marlins, and he's six foot, and it's like, oh, he looks like a reliever. Six foot tall, that's like 90th percentile among American men. Well, quite tall. I just drafted oh. Dre Jameson in the Scott White Dynasty League prospects only draft, and he's pretty short, too. I think he's six foot. Scott, how tall are you? I am... Six two. Oh, tower! It's it's technically six one and a half. We stand a tall king. <laughs> Look at him. That's why he's looking down. See, at Shane McClanahan. They, they might say That's I'm right. too short to be a starter. When I, I I'm I'm technically five. I stretch it to five ten. So when I see Shane McClanahan, I'm like, "What's up, big guy? You're playing center, <laughs> Chris. You're not five ten. Come on, we're we're the same I'm five, height. I'm five ten. My I went to the doctor last year and I was five nine and three quarters. We round that baby up. That's that's an even five ten. All right, all right. Whatever. I'm not rounding down to five nine on my license. <laughs> that's fair. I, my license yeah, is always round the round way up. there. Always round up. Anyway, we've got more breakouts coming a little bit later on. The return of news and notes. I have a feeling that we are going to have a lot of this wow. coming up over the next couple of weeks. We we haven't had anything to report, and unfortunately. We've got to start with some bad news. According to Matt Gelb of The Athletic, Ranger Suarez may not be ready for opening day due to visa issues. Scotty, this is your boy, Ranger Danger. Mm. Do we lower Suarez in our rankings now? Yeah, I think you have to. I haven't determined exactly how much I want to lower him. I can tell you, though, I definitely regret taking Ranger Suarez instead of Nelson Cruz in round 13 of Doubt Wars now. Uh, and this was something we didn't talk about it in the emergency podcast, but I was talking to you guys about it afterward. Like, I wondered if this would happen with the players who um, need visas and, and that sort of thing. 
it's a lot harder for them to just spontaneously start spring training. And when that spring training is only three weeks long, you know, yeah. that, that gives them a narrow margin for, for being ready for opening day. And we saw it, we saw it a lot in the uh, 2020 leading up to 2020 when they had a similar timetable for their training session in the summer. Um, and a lot of players were late reporting. I know Giovanni Gallegos was among them, but there were a bunch uh, now, there were a lot of pandemic restrictions in place that I'm sure made it much, much harder. So hopefully it won't be that many, but I doubt it'll only be Ranger Suarez. I just, I, I, I don't know enough about players like living situations to comment on who it could be, you know? Yeah, and I think it might differ from, you know, based on country of origin, just because U.S. diplomatic relations with Venezuela are very different from mm-hmm. Dominican Republic or Colombia or Mexico. And so, you know, it. my, my wife's from Venezuela, so I, I know a lot about it. And it's actually very difficult to get visas uh, coming from Venezuela for, like, logistical reasons. And so I do wonder about that. I, it also, the thing that, like, the red flag that immediately jumped out uh, at me when I saw this was I remember Sixto Sanchez last year couldn't get to spring training on time he was delayed at the start of spring training because of visa issues and then you know injuries shortly followed you know he was healthy at that point presumably um so that's the kind of thing where it's like what if he has to try to rush to get back um maybe they just start him in the bullpen i don't know if they had that luxury with zach eflin recovering from surgery but you know given his history that's possible too hans kraus get ready that is a pitcher for the Phillies. He's not in a diehard movie. Not that I don't, not that I know of, but um, mm-hmm. it may be relied upon, unfortunately, to start the season for the I, I think, uh, Phillies. I think I'll personally move Ranger Suarez down below Adam Wainwright, which you know I probably have Adam Wainwright higher than most people do. So I don't know if that mm-hmm. means anything on its own, but that would mean just ahead of that um, that trio that I think is fine, but decidedly second tier. That trio being Tyler Malley, Nathan Avaldi, and Sean Manaya. How dare you? I know you like Sean Manaya <laughs> more than I do. But I, I, yeah, I, I would rather have Shri- Ranger Suarez than those guys. But I'll move him behind like Chris Bassett and Framber Valdez and Adam Wainwright. Um, so not not a drastic move. I mean, he may not be ready for opening day, but I bet he'll be ready after a couple turns through the rotation. You know, the nice thing is when you only throw fastballs, you know, you probably don't need a lot of feel. You, you just got to get that one pitch going. Hey, you were just hyping his changeup a minute ago, so. It is a great changeup. He's got the changeup. He's got the sinker. Joke. <laughs> uh, Scott, in a Sorry. points league, obviously Suarez is one of the top Sparps drafted. That's starting pitcher as relief pitcher. Do you think that this decidedly moves him behind Luis Severino now in that format? I don't. I don't. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you don't either. Don't either. Okay. No. Yeah, Severino's got enough question marks himself. So, yeah. uh, just wondering. Uh, the next item that we have here unvaccinated players. I saw this just before we started here. Unvaccinated players cannot play in Toronto, and it could affect players on the Blue Jays. It could affect players in the American League East. You know, it's not worth speculating over, you know, which players are vaccinated and which aren't. But. If you see players not playing in Toronto for no really specified reason, then uh, you know why this this is the reason. So well, thought I would throw that out there. Presumably not. I mean, is it going to be an issue for any of the Blue Jays 
themselves. So I don't know if <laughs> yeah. the I, I saw someone talking about there are like rumors people have whispered about a player on the Blue Jays not being vaccinated and not being able to play, but I don't know. Like I wasn't able to see like who it was. I haven't seen any like reputable discussions about it, so I don't know. Okay. But yeah, it is possible. I, I know in in New York it was mostly people who lived there couldn't play. I don't know. I, I think Canada, you can't cross the border unless you're vaccinated. So that, um, it's not nobody. <laughs> yeah. you know, we've seen that in the NBA. We've seen that in the NFL. The NBA has had to deal with more restrictions. Right. It's a good thing that New York city lifted their restrictions last week because that was the, the rule for, this is why Kyrie Irving hasn't played for the Nets at home. I don't think yet because New York City, if you lived in New York City, you couldn't go into the office if you weren't vaccinated. And Kyrie Irving's office obviously is Barkley Center. So yep. he wasn't that that would have been a problem for the Yankees and Mets. It's a good thing that uh that restriction was lifted and for but, the sake of those teams, you know, and for obviously a thousand other reasons, let's hope that, you know, there's no circumstances in which that, that restriction's put back on. It's possible Canada could lift its restrictions between now and it becoming relevant. I mean, True. I don't know how I don't know how likely it is, but it's possible. Yep. And we'll wrap up with this our last news item here for our Adam Azer and Nando Defino supporters out there. Greg Bird signed a minor league contract with the Blue Jays. I hope he's vaccinated. Before we hit the break, <laughs> let's uh, before we hit the break, uh, I want to remind everyone if you haven't already, sign up for our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. It is free. Why not? Uh, Dan Schneier is doing an awesome job with it. You can find it at cbssports.com slash newsletters, along with all of the newsletters at CBS, uh, which, you, you know, you want to support our guy Chris here, you might as well sign up for the Fantasy Football Today newsletter while you're at it Please. as well. Again, it's free. My pets need to eat. <laughs> it doesn't cost you anything. And, of course, you get a bunch of information, both on fantasy baseball, and if you want to support Chris, you will get some fantasy football information there as well. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, more breakouts here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, so let's get to more breakouts. We've already mentioned Patrick Sandoval for, honestly, all of us. Willie Adamas for... All of us. And then Shane McClanahan was was my guy earlier on. Uh, but Chris, give us another one. Who's another breakout you're excited about this season? You know what? I'm going to go with uh, one of Shane McClanahan's teammates. And that is Luis Patino, who was 
I think pretty unanimously unanimously considered to be the better prospect of the two at this point last season. And, you know, his he didn't quite break out last season. His strikeout rate was only 22%. That was about average. 4-3-1 ERA. Um, didn't really look spectacular at any one skill last season, but there's a lot to like about Luis Patino's skill set and what he did at the major league level last season. If you look under the hood a little bit, his slider and changeup were both excellent pitches. Uh, changeup, not so much as a swing and miss pitch, but in terms of the quality of contact allowed, it was excellent. Uh, his slider was great at both. The curveball, he didn't throw it all that often. Looks like a bit of a work of pro- work in progress based on the results last season, but hey, if it's your number four pitch, that's fine. But yeah, Luis Patino was among the hardest throwing starters in baseball. He wasn't far behind Shane McClanahan last season. 95.7 mile per hour average velo with that fastball. He gets good spin on it, so it could be a very good uh, swing and miss pitch, and the results on contact weren't bad last season either. So I think all the parts are there. He's got to throw the fastball less, I think, and integrate that changeup more as he becomes more of a starter, but I uh, I think Luis Patino is well worth the uh, not top one hundred not top two hundred price. I'm not I'm not no no he's he's three hundred point nine yeah, yeah it's like that's a, uh seems been, to be seems to be being treated as if he's not going to be in the rotation, but I haven't seen any indication that 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 would be the case. Roster resource yeah, I mean, has, I, maybe. Roster Resource has Luis Patino in the rotation. And again, it's not without Tyler Glass now, it's not a a really strong rotation. McClanahan, True Rasmussen, Corey Kluber, Ryan Yarbrough, Luis Luis Patino. So, Scott, I mean, I I think the Rays really need something from Patino here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee he has a rotation spot, but I don't know. I've I've been surprised there hasn't been more uh, interest in him. Just, you know, throw out all the numbers. Just to. Post type sleeper, you know? Yeah. And I think the strikeout I mean, rate being so low is really like that's one of the things when you're looking at a breakout pitcher and you see a strikeout rate below one per inning, and it's like, oh, but he was 11 point per nine in the minors. Yeah. Fly ball pitcher two in the American League yeah. East. Not great. I haven't seen fit to draft him, but. I mean, I, it, it has surprised me that nobody nobody seems interested in him at all, and maybe I should start considering it more. And he threw 106 innings last season. That was, you know, over 26 start, 26 appearances, 22 starts. Um, he made 20 starts in 2019. He p- appeared in a handful of games in 2020. So I, I think he could throw 150 innings. You know, I, I don't think that's out of the question either. So. I, I like Luis Patino as like a true breakout, as someone who is going to do something we haven't seen from them at the major league level before. Uh, all right, yeah, I think he really needs to work on that third pitch. I think that's the biggest takeaway here, Chris, mm-hmm. is he's, he throws hard with the fastball. He's got the slider, which gets swings and misses. Uh, you know, he slightly mixes in a curveball changeup. I mean, if one of those yeah. can become that true third pitch for him that he uses, you know, 10 to 15% of the time. I think that could be the key to unlocking Luis Patino and more like I give the Rays the benefit of the doubt when it comes to pitching development. They've done a fantastic job. So uh, if any team is going to figure it out, I I do trust the Rays to do that. Scotty, another breakout here in 2022. It is time for the Tony Gonsolin breakout. I know I've thought that before just last year. He was my, uh, 
my preferred target among the trio of Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, and Julio Arias. That didn't work out so well. But but now the Dodgers need him more than ever. It was definitely contentious who was going to claim the the those spots at the back of the rotation at this time a year ago. They don't have they don't have many options. You know, they're the, the guys they're targeting in free agency that now are Andrew Heaney. Max Scherzer is gone. Clayton Kershaw likely gone. They need Gonsolin in the rotation. And you know, big reason why he didn't make good on his potential last year is because he was injured so much of the time, had a shoulder issue. Um his walk rate especially seemed impacted by by it. It went from 1.4 per nine in 2020 to 5.5 per nine last year. Uh, but when he when he did get an extended stretch on the IL and then came back, uh, his velocity picked up. His sp- slider and splitter combo got back to getting a lot of whiffs. And that final month when he was completely healthy, Gonsolin had a 15.1% swinging strike rate. Is better than the swinging strike rate Garrett Cole had last year. So clearly, he is capable of missing enough bats. And I mean, you just you just look at his career numbers: 142 and a third innings, 285 ERA, 109 WHIP, 9.4 K per nine. Give give me the give me 142 and a third innings this year with those numbers. And obviously, this is gonna uh, that's a pick that's gonna pay off. It's got all the advantages of the Dodgers supporting cast. I think this is the time, Tony Gonsolin. And he's been even better as a starter than those numbers. He has a 255 ERA with 126 Ks and 120 innings as a starting pitcher with a 1.06 whip. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty promising. And maybe this is just a slippery slope that I'm falling for right now, but much like the Rays, the Dodgers really know what they're doing with starting pitchers. I mean, they routinely get the most out of their pitchers and – you know, when Gonsolin has been healthy, they've been able to get the most out of him as well. So just like giving the Dodgers the benefit of the doubt in that regard. The ADP for Tony Gonsolin, according to Fantasy Pros, is 280.3. Scott, I mean, uh, look, I guess you could just grab multi- multiple of these pitchers because we like all of them. Uh, but let's say that you have to choose between them. There's four sleeper slash breakout candidates in this range. Tony Gonsolin, Jesus Lozardo, Carlos Carrasco, Alex Cobb. They're all going within eight picks on average. How would you yeah. rank that group? Gonsolin, Lozardo, Carrasco, Cobb. I personally rank them Carrasco, Cobb, Gonsolin. So I have Gonsolin as the third of that group. And then Lozardo just way out. <laughs> no, Yeah, I mean, I'm not as confident in Lozardo. I definitely see it. I definitely see it, but... I'm probably not going to get him if if those three are if it's between him and any of those three I'm not going to get Luzardo um, and he's just not the priority for me that those three are so yeah I mean Carrasco the fact that I I, I think he's basically we talked about it on the sleeper show obviously but I, I think he's basically fine I think just the time he missed at the start of last season um, he just never really had a chance to to build up normally after that. And we saw how great he was in 2020 still. So I, I, I think he's, I think he's the, the clearest of those three to um, far exceed his draft position. But yeah, I like the upside of Cobb. I like the upside of Gonsolin. I think the, the biggest thing holding Gonsolin back from those two in, in my rankings, and I do have Cobb and Carrasco as top 50 starters, whereas Gonsolin's more like in the 60 range um, is just the, 
the the shoulder injury last season, how troublesome it was for him to get past that, how often we thought, oh, he's making progress, and then it just kind of was in fits and starts for a lot of the season. But mm-hmm. I think if he's fine, I think he's great. Mm-hmm. You know, Both of you gave out a late-round pitcher you think can break out. Now it's my turn. I am going to give you... Tristan McKenzie, who we've seen stretches of being a talented pitcher already in his short major league career. If you just take what he did in the short in 2020, he was amazing. 3.24 ERA, 0.90 whip, obviously comes with a ton of prospect pedigree. Last year was very weird for him. Uncharacteristically, averaged over eight walks per nine, just an absurd amount, over eight walks per nine in his first 10 starts uh, that was related to, it seems like now, it was related to his velocity. He averaged around 91 miles per hour during that time. He was banished to the minors to try and figure things out. Over his final 14 starts, the walks came all the way down to 2.2 walks per nine, and his fastball velocity, 92.7. So closing in on 93 miles per hour there, uh, built the velocity back up. And you know there were some hiccups late, but he had a 10-start stretch where he truly looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball. 2.96 ERA, 0.73 whip, and a 12.9% swinging strike rate from July through September. Uh, when everything is clicking, uh, he is a fun pitcher to watch. Uh, he's a strong whip pitcher, lots of strikeouts. Uh, he does give up a lot of fly balls. That's why he typically is a good whip pitcher. He doesn't allow a lot of hits, um, but when they are hits, they could be home runs. So keep that in mind. But if he keeps people off base via the walk, then I do think uh, that is paramount for Tristan McKenzie. You know, obviously he's got a small frame and, you know, that's always going I mean, to be a concern, but it's not Frank, just a small frame. Is, it's like a really small frame. A, yeah, I don't know if this is a reference that you get, but he's <laughs> got like a Jack Skellington frame. I, I get it. Before Christmas? I got you know? it. I'm, yeah, yeah, I just, man, of all yeah, the like. He is rail thin and long. Um, just not a fan. It's of, an interesting, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> like visual. It is. It is like he's he's very unique to watch. I was trying to say like Nightmare Before Christmas is, does not do it for me. I can't get behind oh, it. It's a great movie. Uh, yeah, that's probably, what's that is a top ten Disney song. It's probably going to cause some backlash there. Uh, Tristan McKenzie. Look, the thing is, the you know other people in the industry like him as well. We see the ADP two thirty six point six. So going well ahead of the names that we were just talking about. Going ahead of Kyle Hendricks, who we seems like we all kind of like as a sleeper here on the podcast as well. Um, Scott. Any interest in Tristan McKenzie? I think it's, you know, can he can he stay on the mound and, uh, you know, develop some level of consistency? I think those are the big question marks for him. Uh, they're just, they're big question marks yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he came back from the minor leagues and his walk rate was on the other end of the spectrum. And you're like, oh, okay, this is, this is more like it. And then he totally imploded to end the season. So I just, I have no idea what to expect from Tristan McKenzie anymore. Of course, there's upside. I have no issues with anybody calling him a breakout candidate. It's just not one that I tend to get excited about. All right, let's get through a few more of these breakouts, move a little bit quicker here. Chris, who is another one you like this season? Eduardo Rodriguez, who I, I've talked about a decent amount. I'm not sure. exactly. Yeah, he's going up quite a bit ahead of these guys, 153.3. And that's a that's a testament to the uh, how far the the fantasy industry has come in believing in the underlying data and the metrics that back up <clears throat> the, the stuff that we see because he had a 474 ERA last season. He was not good. You just have to crack on, look under the hood to see that he had arguably his best season 
in terms of the underlying metrics. His strikeout rate was a career high, walk rate a career low, and he was still really good at limiting hard contact. Now, you didn't see that in the actual numbers. He did get hit hard, but you know he had a 330 Woba compared to a 288 X Woba. He hasn't really been a pitcher who's had a big gap between those things in his career. So I think there was a lot of bad luck involved for him last season, and I think luck's going to turn around for him. He's in a better a better ballpark. Oh, I'm kind of dying here with the cough. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get through it. Better line at better ballpark, better or better ballpark, better division. Someone please take over. All right, Chris, go call. I catch who he was talking about. <laughs> who was he talking about? Eduardo Rodriguez is the player oh, okay. that we are talking about. And Chris is right. Like all the underlying numbers were fantastic for Erod last year. He posted a 4.74 ERA, his FIP, his XFIP, his Sierra, his expected ERA, according to StatCast. Those were all 3.65 or lower last year. And I love the park shift. According to StatCast, Fenway Park ranks second in uh, offense over the past three seasons. Comerica Park during that same time is 20th. Erod has been much better on his in his career on the road. So... I'm in as well. I mean, they're a team that's expected to be better. You know, run support should be better. Prospects coming, all this kind of fun stuff. I'm in. I, I like Eduardo Rodriguez. Again, the price there is 156.6. Um, he he does remind me a little bit of like Carlos Martinez back when he was with the Cardinals in that even when he's good, his whip is always pretty high. And so that that's a little bit of a concern, but he is someone who's thrown 200 innings before and it's worth keeping in mind last season he was coming back from myocarditis, you know, a very serious and scary heart ailment as a result of a positive COVID uh, diagnosis. So the fact that he was as effective as he was and made it through 31 starts, I mean, that's impressive in its own right. Um, So yeah, I love Eduardo Rodriguez. He's going to be on a lot of my teams this year. All right, Scott, why don't you get us another breakout here? Okay, I am going to say Kyle Schwarber is a breakout. The wandering yes, eye. indeed. I think he, <laughs> that beefcake. Yeah, I think he <laughs> is, I mean, I, I think he's in line for career numbers. He, he put up career percentages last year, but of course missed a lot of time with, I believe it was a hamstring injury. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure, I, I don't know, I've, I, I'm not sure why there isn't more consensus over this opinion. I wonder if it's people see the 399 at-bats he had last year and think, oh, well, they must have been platooning him, or maybe they don't even notice the 399 at-bats and, oh, he had 32 home runs, that's fine, whatever. Yeah, the counting stats are pretty middling. Right, because he got only 399 at-bats, but you project his 32 home runs over 155 games, which is what he played in 2019. And that's 44 home runs. He made some changes to his swing. He worked with Kevin Long, one of the more esteemed hitting coaches in the league. They were both with the Nationals at the start of last season, and they worked to help him recapture his old stance uh, where he squats lower, gets his legs into a swing more. Uh, it was what he had in college and early on in the minors. You look at his numbers from college and early on in the minors, and you know, there's a reason why he was as hyped of a prospect I as mean, he was. He he was considered an awful defensive player and still one of the best prospects in baseball. Yeah, you know, that that's exactly. that tells you a lot. Yeah, so you know between just the pace he was on last year and those changes and 
the fact there there really there really are no platoon concerns anymore. He's to a point now where he hits lefties good enough. And then with the addition of the DH, I mean, he doesn't ever no matter where he signs, he doesn't have to play the field again if the team doesn't want him to. So uh, playing time shouldn't be an issue. As long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be a low-key 40-homer threat. Scott, I don't think that you'll like this comp, but I think part of the reason we see him going where he is, the ADP for Kyle Schwarber is 116. It feels like people aren't completely buying into what they saw last season. Kind of reminds me of the hitter version version of Sean Manaya, right? Sean Manaya, <laughs> kind of like... We already we know what he he's been for his entire career, and last year yeah. I mean made some noticeable noticeable changes. He was throwing harder, and you know there's some people who buy it like me. I'm in on Sean Mania, and then there's other other people that are just like, eh, he's Sean Mania. So I kind of feel like Kyle Schwarber might be kind of lumped into a a similar category where maybe people are just not buying what he did. But you're right, he changed the batting stance. He was much better against left-handed pitching last year too. That was huge for him. He finished 84th overall in Roto. In just wow. 113 games. I wow. mean, that's just a testament to how good he was. Wow. And he yeah, averaged he averaged 3.3 fantasy points per game. That was tied for 15th in the outfield with Yordan Alvarez and Cedric Mullins. Ooh, Kyle look at Schwarber, that research you did, Frank. Probably you know. a probably in, a top six round pick in an OBP league, too. I yeah, I, I like Schwarber. Scott, I might even <laughs> say I'm with you. When it comes, oh my God. Frank, I, I do have to point out one thing to continue to make you feel bad about being on Shamanaya Island <sighs> on the podcast. Yeah, you, like, you like how he snuck that Manaya propaganda in there? Yeah, yeah, like, I've got it. Oh, yeah, just like, like <laughs> call me when Shamanaya has the pitcher version of a 38 homer 92 RBI season. All right, my guy. <laughs> All right, I my guy. I think Kyle Schwarber is just, I think he's just overlooked. I think it's, there's a little bit of like the Marcus Simeon thing where he was really good in 2019 bad in 2020, really good in 2021, and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, I don't know which one's real, but it's like, I don't know. If the bad season was the 60-game weird season where you, you faced like six teams total and like couldn't go home, I feel like that might be the outlier. Kyle Schwarber's a really, really good hitter. And yep. He deserves more respect. He is overlooked, much like Lourdes Gurriel, who I believe is undervalued right now, an ADP of 140.6. Apparently, he was dealing with knee issues early last uh, early last season. Over the first two months, he hit just 249 with four home runs and a 632 OPS. His average exit velocity, just 88.2 miles per hour. From June 1st on, Lourdes Gurriel hit 291, 17 homers, 867 OPS. Average exit velocity up over 90 miles per hour. He was make, making much more harder contact. He was lifting the ball better as well. I mean, I think being able to lift the ball is, you know, Lifting the ball better, I think, often can be uh, attributed to, you know, maybe you're dealing with an injury uh, at times when you can't lift the ball. So I, I would blame that uh, on what happened with Lourdes Gurriel last and, and, year. And especially leg injuries. That was something yeah. that Vladimir Guerrero's uh, hitting coach talked about, I think, before last season or the year before, how he just, like, he's, he he had weakness in his legs that was causing him to to not be able to get under the ball. And with Lourdes Gurriel, I mean, he makes contacts. Last year, career best, 18.9% strikeout rate. And he showed us glimpses before. The short in 2020, he was just fantastic. 308 batting average, 882 OPS. And he's really the last everyday player you can get from the Blue Jays lineup. So if you mm -hmm. think the Blue Jays can do anything close to what they did last year, you probably want some kind of exposure to it 
Uh, and Lourdes Gurriel is someone who I do like to target. Chris, would you rather have Kyle Schwarber at his ADP of 116, or would you rather have Lourdes Gurriel 24 picks later? So two rounds. I've got both of them about 40, no, about 60 picks higher than their ADP in my overall rankings. I have Kyle Schwarber as a top 70 player, Lourdes Gurriel as a top 80 player, but wow. Kyle Schwarber is higher, so I will go with him. All right. So I, I'm I get, putting my money where my mouth is, guys. Yeah. You guys want to call yourselves the Kyle Schwarber and Lourdes Gurriel guys. I'm actually the guy. <laughs> I guess the got answer is <laughs> got them both ahead of Randy Arozarena, ahead of Mitch Haniger, ahead of Tommy Edmond. I mean, I have Schwarber ahead of those three. Yeah. Mm. The true answer for Chris is both. <laughs> why not yes. both? Travis yeah, Kyle Schwarber yes. and um, Lourdes Gurriel. Uh, Chris, why don't you give us a, another. I just rattle off a few more breakouts that you like this upcoming season. Oh, a few more. Okay. I think I have one left on the list that I sent you, and that's Joe Adele. And anybody who's listened mm-hmm. to this podcast knows that he's been featured in a lot of sleeper, a lot of breakout conversations. Had a massive season at AAA Salt Lake last year, was on a 45 homer pace. It's the former PCL. So, you know, there is some inflation there, but he was crushing the ball. He came back up to the majors was making a lot more contact than he did during his disastrous 2020 debut, was hitting the ball harder. We've seen him post elite max exit velocities, elite sprint uh, sprint speeds. So we know the tools are there. It's just about finding the way to put them into action more often during games. So I think Joe Adele is someone. It's Look, you don't get a lot of opportunities to buy elite, elite, blue chip type talents. And that's what Joe Adele is. He was a top five prospect in baseball. He was comparable to Jared Kelnick as a prospect. Their minor league production is very comparable. Kelnick wasn't actually that much better in the majors than Adele has been. And Adele is actually only three months older. So he goes a hundred picks later. A little bit. He was in the majors last year. The Kelnick. What's that? Oh, last year. Yeah. Just specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So I, I love drafting Adele at his price. I I rank him a lot higher than his, 220 ADP or whatever it ends up being. Um, and then a couple other breakout candidates I'm putting together my list for to, to write for tomorrow's column. And I've got Alejandro Kirk. I've got Alberto Mondesi. <clears throat> That'll be controversial if I end up including him. And Luis Arias, who I'm a uh, just a big fan of. Kind of a sleeper, kind of a breakout. Kind of already broke out a little bit like Willie Adamas last season. Um just really like the underlying skill set for Luis Arias. I think there's 25 homer, you know, potentially 10 steals uh, potential with, I think he was on a hundred run pace from, uh, from like June 1st on when he really started playing every day. So a lot to like about Luis Arias. Oh yes. Music to my ears, Chris, Luis Arias. We're both in last year. He hit 249, 23 homers, five steals, a 789 OPS, strong plate discipline. He walked 11% of the time. And then he was even better in the second half where he improved the strikeout rate, improved Mm -hmm. the walk rate, more line drives, more hard contact, just really improving in every way that you want to see a young player improve. Strong lineup, strong ballpark to hit in, triple eligible on CBS, second base, third base, shortstop. So lots to like there with Luis Arias. Scotty, you got another breakout for me? Well, I, I just want to say we we are all on board with we are all on board with Joe Adele. 
I am not on board with Luis Arias. I, I think the ceiling for Luis Arias is Eduardo Escobar, which would be a fine player, but that's the ceiling. So Mm-mm. this year's Austin Riley, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with ten steals. If, take if, that. If Luis, if Luis Arias is a six win player this year, I will I will eat my words. Will you eat your um, hat? Uh no. <laughs> Fine, but you are printing out your words and eating them on this podcast. Oh my gosh. If he projects he to be a six win player. Projects? Oh no, 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 no. Austin Riley actually. I mean, let's was say he, he gets hurt, plays hundred and ten games, but is a four win player. You're eating words. I'm sorry. I'm not eating anything. I'm sorry, pal. First of all, <laughs> all right. you'll eat you'll eat um, red hot cinnamon peeps, but okay. not a piece of paper. Oh gosh, those are good. I'll eat those all day. <laughs> anyway, um, the hot tamales peeps. Oh my gosh, you gotta Horrifying. try those out. Oh jeez. Uh, okay, so Frankie Montas is a breakout for me. Chris mentioned him earlier as. Um, Somebody he likes more than Shane McClanahan. I think I like Frankie Montas more than like Logan Webb. So <laughs> I'm not far off there. Uh, over his final 15 starts, he started throwing his splitter more than ever. It became basically his primary pitch. He had a 211 ERA, 102 whip, 10.8 K per nine, a swinging strike rate on par with Max Scherzer's. That was over 15 starts, not some teeny tiny sample, half the season basically. And so. You know, if he can maintain that feel for the the feel and the confidence in that splitter over a full season, what might the numbers look like? Hopefully, we get a chance to find out. O'Neill Cruz, who I mentioned briefly earlier, the more I look into him, the more I like him. He is a six foot seven uh, unicorn, somehow able to play shortstop in spite of that height. And uh, really began leveraging it for power last year, and way scouts long predicted. You you project his numbers in the minors last year over 150 games. It comes out to 37 homers and 41 stolen bases. Uh, I uh, Baseball America recently published the average exit velocities for every hitter in their top 100 prospects. O'Neill Cruz's was. Far and away the highest. Average exit velocity of 94 miles per hour last year, which is certainly, it's beyond elite. It's beyond elite. Power potential is legitimate here. The, the questions are how early does he take over as the Pirates starting shortstop? He got two games there at the end of last year, so I'm hoping it's opening day, but you never know. Uh, and the other question is with that height, our pitcher, our major league pitcher is going to find holes to exploit in the way minor league pitchers didn't. So fair questions, but the cost is so low, around two fiftieth overall, that uh, I think the upside makes it worth it. Uh, let's see, Dalton Varsho. It, it is, is it is a Judge Gallo Stanton esque raw power. Yeah, for yeah, O'Neill Cruz. It's, it's, um, I believe relative. He definitely has the hardest hit ball in Pittsburgh Pirates history yep. in the Statcast era. He only might have games. the two. <laughs> hardest hit balls. Um, I see that, but it, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, only nine plate appearances and you hit 118 miles an hour. That's the thing about that is, yeah, it's only two games. You can't fake hitting that ball that hard. You know, yeah. the 100 mile per hour average exit velocity in two games doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the max exit velo, that's like, okay, he's in that, he's in that discussion already, at least in terms yeah. of raw power. And by the way, with that kind of, ability to impact the ball. If he does end up being a 30, 35% strikeout guy, he could still be good. 
I mean, you know what he reminds me of? I'm starting to talk myself into him too. Damn, he's going to be in my column tomorrow. <laughs> you know who he reminds me of? Aaron Judge. Kind of middling prospect or big prospect. The numbers what? were always like, really, this guy? Why isn't he better? And then he gets up to the majors and it's like, oh boy. Oh boy, he's different. Aaron Judge. Yep. I think that is, yep. it's really like starting to sound. Seven. Yeah, it's really starting to sound like Aaron Judge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say Dalton Varsho is the fairly obvious breakout candidate at catcher, but I, I think what people are overlooking with him is that he was a career 302 hitter with an 899 OPS in the minors. And, um, over his final 57 games last year, he, w- he was useless before then. He was like a 150 hitter in the majors before then. But over final 57 games, he had 294 with an 886 OPS. So he started to look like the minor league version of himself. Uh, w- probably the only catcher who will steal a useful number of bases. Uh, let's see. Anybody else I want to mention? Brendan Rodgers. I've been on him for a while now. You know, he was he was pretty good last year, but actually struggled at home, which... You know, considering he did pretty much all of his damage on the road as a Rockies hitter, that uh, that makes me think the upside could be a lot more. Alex Kirilov, still on him. He impacted the ball very hard, even with a torn ligament in his wrist last year. And for the brief time before he tore the ligament in his wrist, his average exit velocity was like ninety six point five. So, yeah, he he's a he's a he's got a lot of upside as a hitter. Uh, I, I think Joe Ryan deserves a mention here. Last two years in the minors, 247 ERA, 0.82 whip, 13K per nine. But doesn't throw very hard, mostly throws a fastball. Is it just a gimmick? Well, his first five major league starts last year, he did a lot of the same stuff. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for the price. And I am going to go to the John Means Well one more year just because they made such dramatic changes to the layout of their ballpark, pushing back the left field fence 30 feet and raising it too from seven feet to 12 feet. Like it's, it's going, if you just do an, a park overlay of Camden yards and every other park, it looks like the most punishing park for right-handed power hitters now. And uh, John, it. John means being a left-hander with extreme fly ball tendencies. That's going to be right in his wheelhouse. And I think, uh, you know, the strikeouts didn't come to fruition last year. I don't think they have to necessarily for him to break out this year. John means business? Question mark? Maybe. He might this upcoming season. I'll wrap up with uh, one more of my own, and that is Logan Gilbert. The surface level numbers, not fantastic last year, actually quite bad. 4.68 ERA, but the underlying numbers much better. 3.87 Sierra, that is skill interactive ERA. That was better than fellow rookie Alec Manoa, who many people are excited about. It was better than Blake Snell. It was better than Luis Castillo. Two pitchers being drafted much higher than Logan Gilbert. His K-minus walk rate was nearly 20%, 19.9%. That was tied for 26th among starting pitchers with at least 110 innings from last year, actually tied with Joe Musgrove. He has all the pieces, Logan Gilbert. He just needs to put them together. His slider generated an 18% swinging strike rate, changeup 16% swinging strike rate, and the fastball was rated as the eighth best fastball according to Fangraph's pitch values last season. That was better than Robbie Ray, better than Garrett Cole, better than Sandy Alcantara. So 
I think everything is there for Logan Gilbert. He just has to put it together. Uh, and if he does, I think we could be talking about him as a you know top 20 starting pitcher next year, uh, <laughs> hopefully with Shane McClanahan. So those are two guys that I do like quite a bit this season. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday, unless there's breaking news over the weekend. Bye-bye. We'll be back before Monday, guys. Yep. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.